0: All from one family on stage, their first gig, The Cars!
1: It didn't go in that we could actually be meeting our producer
0: or that this could be a major record deal for us. If you feel the emotion in every song, you give across the emotion of the song. You have been a wonderful audience and we will remember this, we will be back.
1: When you're put in a situation where you have to perform, where you have to deliver, no matter what, something happens.
0: That's why we're doing it, we're doing it because we love it. Hi, I'm Bob Clearmountain and I'm happy to be with you. I was the mixer on Forgiven Not Forgotten and you're listening to Coursecast.
1: Thanks for joining me and welcome again to now episode 9 of Coursecast. Um it's been so incredible to have the feedback from the previous episodes and I'm really excited to share this next episode with you. Uh, as we go and delve deeper into the music side of the record, specifically Mixing. In this episode, we speak with the Grammy and Emmy award winning record engineer, mixer, and record producer Bob Clearmountain. With a career spanning four decades and working with artists such as uh, David Bowie, Bruce Springsteen, the Rolling Stones, Toto, Bon Jovi, and his close friend Brian Adams. It's such an honour to be able to speak to this legend of the music industry regarding mixing Forgiven Not Forgotten. After a lot of organising and patience and persistence, uh, I finally caught up with Bob and was able to interview him and discuss with him how he came to be working on The Core's first album, Forgiven Not Forgotten. Join me as I began by asking him how his journey in the music industry all began enjoy i've been asking the guests how they got to where they were when they were then asked to work with the cause on this album so your background to how are you how did you get to the point where you're now mixing the first cause album your background for those that may not know your work prior to listening to this simply because they're only just a cause fan
0: right well i mean in, in a nutshell i started it as a recording engineer in new york city in a studio called media sound i mean the, the band i was in a band i was a bass player and the band i was in broke up and i started hanging around the studio where we were doing a demo Till they i kept bugging them until they finally hired me and um i was an assistant engineer for a number of years i worked with with um we mostly did r and b records well, they did the jingles in the during the daytime, mm. mostly, and so I was an assistant engineer. We did a lot of r and b records like Cool and the gang, which is one of the first things that I ever worked on or recorded and um, Benny King and a lot of disco stuff and then there was uh, we moved i moved to a we built a new studio called power Station in seventy seven and uh, I was the kind of the chief engineer i guess you could say Mm -hmm. and uh helped design the place and that turned into like the biggest most popular studio probably on the east coast i think wow you know and and, um so that was that was quite successful and you know then i started producing i worked with rolling stones i started producing people like brian adams Mm -hmm. and uh simple minds and the pretenders and um stuff like that uh and then i the the main thing is that i got to know i'm not sure how i got to know david foster i think he was friends with brian adams who was one of my best friends because we i co-produced four albums with brian i know i know that i think they're both from vancouver i believe david was from vancouver as well so i'd met him a few times Uh, i didn't know him very well and um the course thing came along. They, I mean, I'm sure you know the story about them sitting in the uh, the lobby. I think it was the Hit Factory or some studio. Correct,
1: yeah, it was Hit Factory.
0: Yeah, and, until they, David Foster came in and then they just hassled him until <laughs> he finally listened to what they were doing and he went, wow, and he was impressed. But so David called me. I hadn't actually worked with David. We were just friends, I knew him. So this was the first project that you'd have- This is really the first thing I believe I could be wrong, but I might have mixed something for him somewhere along the line. It's possible that I did. I, I, mm. I can't really remember, but you know, he calls me up and he says, "Listen, I got something that I think you'd be interested in, and I'd really like you to to listen to this." I mean, he didn't even say, "I want an album. I want you to mix anything." You just said, you should you should hear this band. Wow. I went. Well, that's fascinating. Okay, so come up to my place in Malibu to his studio in Malibu. And so that's a nice drive up the coast, you know, into that. And, and uh, so I sit down in his studio and th- this is the, f- the fun part is that I don't know what I'm in for. I don't, I don't know what, you know, why am I sitting in this control room? Is he going to play me a, uh, some demos or something? What, what's going on? And then these absolutely stunning women walk into the control room. And one of them's holding a penny whistle, one of them's holding a, a fiddle. And uh and then and these these are the the core's sisters, you know, and then and then the brother comes in, right? And they all come in. I go, okay, well, this is fascinating. What's gonna happen? And then they start playing songs just live, just with accompanying themselves. I think uh Jim was playing acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and uh and I was just it completely blew my mind i mean i gotta tell you wow uh i was just in shock i was like oh my god these people are are," first of all they're stunning people (laughs) and and they're so massively talented it was so obvious and and these were songs that they had written themselves and uh, i i was like i didn't know what to think and and so I said, well, what, what, what do you want from me? He said, well, we'd like you to, we're doing a record and we'd like you to mix it. Wow. I said, well, I'm so in, you know, absolutely. <laughs> just uh, just something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was absolutely no question whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, wow. And uh, I was just so thrilled and, and honored that the, this amazingly talented group of people that who I'd never heard of mm. you know, actually wanted me to be involved in their project, you know, and and uh I was so grateful to to David as well to for bringing me in because I'm sure those guys didn't know I don't think I don't know if they knew who I was at all
1: there was definitely an edge in that time of kind um naivety and Mm -hmm. and going along with the ride and for the ride because their their manager John Hughes was you know that protective person who had good experience of the music industry and was putting them in places. So it was kind of they were very much in his care.
0: Yeah.
1: The the leaps and bounds and the people they were then finding themselves rubbing shoulders with and working with Mm -hmm. were world class. And you were certainly part of that.
0: Well, thank
1: you. (laughs) It's it's yeah, do. (laughs) Uh, And it's incredible for them to look back from from interviews I've listened to and um, Andrea's memoirs and stuff. And for them to that now realize how far they came in such a little amount of time on the ability to have that raw talent that everybody yeah. then seemed to want to, to utilize and be a part of and, and explore and enjoy together. So, yeah, it's what a, what an amazing story you've told of that that first meeting. So was there a kind of like a small introduction? high where are the cause. Or was it just they came out playing when you got there?
0: Uh, no, there, there was an introduction. David yeah. introduced me to them. You know, told me who who they were, and you know, they were all one family, and uh, and that they were, you know, an Irish mm. family, and uh, and and then he just let me listen. I mean, I, I don't think he he didn't hype them up or anything. No, I mean, it, it was just this sort of okay, just listen, listen to this, and tell me what you think. And of course, they just I don't remember which which songs they played specifically, but you know, it was it was impressive i mean i was so happy that that david thought of me to to do because you know there's a lot of mixers and there's a lot of engineers especially in this town (laughs) los angeles you know to pick from and uh i was quite honored that he he that he or they i don't know whose decision it was but that they asked me to to be involved you know
1: just amazing it's it, it yeah i had a A lovely time talking with, with so many, but specifically uh, Ryan Freeland. Oh yeah. um, Who talked at length uh, of what it was like to be in the studio alongside you in those mixes Mm -hmm. and just the richness of how generous you were in giving of your time and allowing him to learn came across so lovely in his interview. It was beautiful. It really was.
0: Well, Ryan was funny because you know, the, there'd be a, a doorbell, right? And so there, and obviously it's them at the door and, he, and Ryan would like hop up and run upstairs and to answer the door, you know, <laughs> he was, he was so into it. And uh,
1: Yeah. That really came across in his interview. It really did. That Just the love yeah. for that period of his life, let alone the love for that album specifically that, to get to work on was one of huge joy for him. So mm. it was really nice. And that came really came across in the interview going back to previous interviews um and you said you were obviously you were there they were playing the music you were like yep i, I want to do this that's decided but i spoke previously with simon phillips who obviously lent drums to two tracks
0: that's right um, that which which is my uh it's my idea to get him because of the particular song oh, what was the, it was a really up tempo uh, uh
1: toss the feathers was the track that he first yeah wrote.
0: toss that's right toss the feathers and and I said, look, the, the guy for this is Simon Phillips, for sure. Because it just had that, that sort of very fast, shuffly feel that, that I know he, he is just so good at that kind of thing.
1: And was it that you'd heard a demo of Toss the Feathers?
0: Um, I think I just heard a rough mix.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, because they had recorded it. They'd done it with a, a drum machine or something. Or...
1: Yeah, Simon Franklin on the San Clivia programmed a a sort of a rough drum track from what i have yeah
0: of. right that's what it was yeah
1: um right. and then you were then tasked with setting up all the mics for recording the drum session for simon is that correct
0: yeah well i believe we did it at the record plant in hollywood and um because i didn't have a studio at that point now i now i do i would have done it at my own studio if it was now we set him up and um i think he had some of his own mics actually if i remember nice. correctly but uh yeah and I, I was just excited to work with Simon cuz the, the only time I had worked with him was on the Pretenders record that mm-hmm. that we got him to do a couple tracks and I just I just he's such a good guy first of all and so easy to work with and and uh, and it just worked out so well I mean everybody was happy with what what he did and he seemed to have a great time did you talk to him about did you talk to Simon
1: yeah yeah he was he was episode 1 he was the first oh, right. person I approached um right. Just, yeah, he he really, he said, you know, it was, the session was, was short. He yeah, wanted to well. do more because of how fun it was. Um, David Wright had some handy cam footage of him doing takes and drum rolls mm-hmm. and stuff, and then coming back to the desk to discuss it with David and the band. And it was just lovely to see that insight of him going back and forth. And the the real wow moments of him doing those kicks and those fills live on camera mm-hmm. was just... Phenomenal. Um, yeah. So yeah, you chose rightly. <laughs> you yeah. definitely chose rightly there. Was it a case that you recommended it and David was just, oh, well, let's go, on, go along with that? Or would, would it have been David knew him at that time as well?
0: Jeez, I, don't, I don't know if he knew him or not, but uh, okay. I know everybody, when I mentioned his name, everybody said, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea.
1: The footage shows that he played on Toss the Feathers, but also on a track called I Don't Know, Right. I don't know was a very early demo for the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually on the, the first cassette tape given to Jason Flom when yeah. they a- appeared in the A&R office for Atlantic before mm-hmm. the meeting with David and that fateful day where they came and played for him. But it was never used on the final album, even though Simon recorded drums for it. And I didn't know. I wanted to ask you directly whether or not I ever got to mixing stage
0: question yeah I, I, I don't remember I mean it could have uh, I just don't don't remember I mean I, I might be able to look it up uh, what what was the name of that it's called I don't know Hang on a sec. I just do a quick search sure oh wait of course yeah here it is yeah I did a mix no way uh, I wonder if I have it someplace. <laughs>
1: on guarantees Forgive
0: me, please But that's an idiotic You to have a life Cause what's gonna be It's gonna be a list of the songs. Oh, perfect. Given not Forgotten. That was, that was the first album, right? Heaven Knows. Correct. Yeah. Leave Me Alone. Closer, Love to You. And, uh, and then I don't know is one of those. Oh, wow. And then Mix 19. Wow, jeez. <laughs> I, no, I don't
1: I don't know had 19 mixes.
0: Well, 19 it's the way it works is the the in the computer. Is there weren't really 19 the tape no you know it was just uh 19 passes in the computer but it means i spent i spent a long time on it <laughs> i probably wow. spent a full full day
1: what other tracks do you have there for that album
0: well let's see forgiven not forgotten heaven knows love me alone closer mm-hmm. uh love to love you law La fair and sure yep um secret life rainy day runaway um toss Feather- feathers Mm-hmm. Uh, i don't know in right time
1: yeah i don't know has never been never been recorded since then the, the tracks you illustrate the ones i've got here listed there's i believe they mixed by you are uh, forgiven not forgotten heaven knows someday run away the right time love to love you secret life closer leave me alone rainy day and then one you didn't list, because I didn't know if you'd, fi- you'd actually mixed it, is the, what was finally used on, as the um, Japanese bonus track, um, which was called Somebody Else's Boyfriend.
0: Uh, I don't have that listed here. No. No.
1: And it sounds very different as well. So I'm wondering if it was mixed by somebody else.
0: Probably probably is. I don't remember that title.
1: Do you have any recollections of mixing specific tracks? i really don't <laughs> uh, it's it's it is as it's ho- as a whole i guess
0: yeah that's the thing i mean and i'd say that about you just almost everything i've ever done yeah. you know uh, people ask me all that oh what did you do on this particular mix and jesus i don't know
1: <laughs> i made it sound good <laughs>
0: <clears throat> I, yeah, I tried to make it sound good and uh i mean i've mixed thousands and thousands of records and so <laughs> it's really Tough.
1: <laughs> is there anything specifically about the cause record that you had in mind when mixing that you can remember?
0: I mean, it's just what what I always do is I try to make it. I'd listen to the songs, you know, and uh, and and try to make the mix reflect something about the the songs and the environment of the mix, or just just generally. Like this mix, I'm I'm doing I'm doing something for this French artist, and. Uh, and the lyric is about floating through space and so i tried to make it you know like the lo- make it sound like the loneliness of space you know and i got the, this very small little mono reverb and things like that and so you know that that's just a, an idea of you know you hear a song and you, and okay you try to imagine what it is and where where it is or you know not not literally where it is but hmm um just sort of figuratively and conceptually and and uh try to get come up with some kind of something that matches as far as mix mix wise as far as the environment of it. You know that that's what I would do with them. And that's kind of what I do with everybody, you know.
1: <laughs> set you in good stead. <laughs> yes, yeah, set you in good stead. And it's it's more than just pushing buttons and having a good ear. It's creative in oh, a yeah. way, isn't it? It's creative. Yeah, well,
0: it, it isn't just pushing buttons. You know, you, you the pushing the button. You know what the buttons do to match your the Im- imagination of what, what you know how you imagine the thing should be. You know, it's good to know what each button does. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> but sure. then that's just in the background.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's muscle memory then. Um, it's yeah, like- and
0: it's fun. It's funny because I always have have trouble with producers and engineers that that seem to be more concerned with the the gear than the music sometimes you know what i mean and that you know i ran into this this producer and i won't say who he was no. and uh i was mixing a live show or something and and this guy just was going on and on about oh do you have such and such a plug-in and do you use this reverb or do you use it like a dude man uh, first of all i don't think that way and i, I yeah I don't maybe I do I don't know you know I don't really think about the gear that much I think about the music and I and and I'll I'll get whatever I I don't really worry about the you know my gear is no different than anybody else's and I don't have that much anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> but you you use what you what works and if it gets the final result of what you want then you got the right thing but I, I don't I certainly don't obsess about it <laughs>
1: For the mixing itself, how involved were the band at that process? Or was it a case of you were given part of an album or a song by song to mix? Or was it were you given the whole thing?
0: Well, it would be a song by song. Yeah. And um, but they were here. I mean they they were here and they would they would comment. they would certainly comment. I mean, usually how it works is I'll I'll put a mix together and I'll play it for them and then they go, okay, yeah, you know, that was great, only uh, you know the penny whistle in the second verse is a little too loud or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of thing. I can't remember any specific things that no. comments that they, they made, but they were certainly uh, involved in it for no. sure. Wow. You know? And I think David, David was That's sort true. of in in and out, you know, he, cause he was always busy with a million other things. And so he would stop by and listen and and make a comment or two, but mostly he let, he let the band, deal with it, you know? And, um, and Jim was pretty, pretty strong had pretty strong opinions about things if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah. I think that ring resonates very, very clearly through the different interviews, um, so yeah. far for the series. Um, just, yeah. The amount of, um, input he had is, I guess that's why he's assistant producer. He's got yeah. a production credit on the record for that. Very. Oh, reason. absolutely. Yeah. No, he was
0: absolutely a producer for sure. You know, wow. wow, and just a brilliant guy too. I mean, he, oh every I usually I would agree with, you know, if it was something that I I didn't, I wouldn't have thought of. You know, I I try his suggestion and go, oh, well, that makes it that that works because he knows the music so well, mm. and he was usually right.
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's that's lovely to know. Even uh, yeah. even in the mixing level, um, yeah. That that, that that was involvement do you know can you recall the period of time that the mixing took
0: she, I don't I don't think I ever I certainly never spent more than a day on a mix but you, usually I, I get maybe one to two mixes a day mm-hmm. I guess you know I have the luxury of having my own, my own studio so I could leave stuff up overnight a lot of times mm-hmm. I'll mix one song and I'll finish it and then start the next song and I think this is pretty much how it went with those guys. And uh, and then the second one, I just leave up overnight and we'd listen in the morning yeah. with fresh ears, yeah. you know, and do a couple of little touch ups and then print it and then move on to the next one, that wow. kind of thing. You know, it is a real luxury to mm. have your own room where you don't have to. Because where I worked in the power station in New York, they had two sessions a day in each room. And so if you had the day session, like on the Let's Dance album for Bowie, we we'd have to finish up at six thirty or seven o'clock. Then you have to change the room over for the night session. Wow! You,
1: know? <laughs> you have to mark where everything was so that you could put it put it well, back.
0: So that's, yeah to to a point you know. Um, usually I just start it fresh the next day, and uh, but yeah for recording tracks I think we would mark everything, and uh, and I think well for that album uh i'm trying to think i think the console was in ssl so we could reset it (laughs) it was also long ago
1: Your work and just listening back to the Unplugged album is an incredible joy for many fans. I know many will be listening who adore the the recording of, of Unplugged and it's just a huge time capsule for many of us for the historic success of the band. Obviously, you've worked on other albums other than, uh, forgive not forgotten, for, for the cause. It's Talk on Corners and yeah. Unplugged, correct? Right. Do you recall why you were asked to do unplugged was it just a a natural following on from your work on the first two albums or
0: i I think it was i I think they just thought they they trusted me you know after mixing two records that were quite successful they they, it's time to do a, a a live album and said oh yeah let's let's um Put it in clear mountains hands <laughs> and hopefully you won't screw it up
1: <laughs> you certainly didn't it's beautiful yeah
0: no that was that was a that was a great experience it was it was so nice after working with them in the studio to hear them and actually see them live because i mix it to picture oh. and uh, you know and so it was it was nice to have that that experience i guess
1: that was in many ways a a coming of age moment comparable to the first time you saw them play in that oh yeah David uh, for sure been mixing the audio to them them doing their thing um in front of on more
0: one. of an more of a audience than just me yes
1: <laughs> you had the the taste and the flavor and now the the full thing you're putting your stamp on for the world which is yeah beautiful absolutely beautiful
0: right. though I mean they were just uh, they're just wonderful people and they were great to work with you know and so that's always what what I think, like I, like, I mean, nowadays, it's unfortunate that everything's done online so much, and people don't really come to the studio as much as they used to. And I always like to get the personal input, you know, I like having them sitting here and commenting and discussing the mm-hmm. mixer, discussing the, um, the music, which just doesn't happen as much anymore. And that was great about back then with them, they were actually here and and it was more of a collaboration mm. than just oh here let this guy mix it
1: yeah you've done this this and this I, those sound good so he must be all right with this next one they, right. yeah <laughs> the the artist involvement in that that creates still creative part of the whole process is important definitely. yeah
0: it's, it's it's important to me and especially in that record where it was you know obviously they're the common element so mm. it was important for them to get the for, for me to get their input in, into it and to help sort it, sort through it.
1: A lot of albums, and I'm a big fan of Spatial Audio, would you be approached by the label to potentially mix into Spatial Audio for any course content?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I have a full Atmos yeah mix room now, and so, yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, to, I think that to, would be... Take those mixes and, um, and either recall them. I would probably just do it over from scratch, though, and just... Mm-hmm just for fun <laughs> it'd be more yeah, fun yeah. for me than to to have to recall and and uh, reset everything the way i had i mean my, my gear has changed quite a bit now and so I, I wouldn't it'd be better if i just did it from scratch and then do proper atmos mixes you know mm. i hope they ask that'd be great yeah
1: i just i just wondered how that process would work because i mean seemingly if almost any sort of recognizable album is is starting to get the um that type of spatial audio mix um yeah so of any of any of any quality or standing and i think that album certainly deserves it is there anything else that you thought i would ask or that comes to mind
0: well okay here's a question why why haven't they asked me to mix any more records
1: <laughs> that that is a, that. that is a very good question that i will no doubt get the chance to put to them so right. and i'll probably use that that segment that section with you just saying t- that um, i'm
0: still here <laughs> and i miss them please tell them that
1: <laughs> i i definitely will i definitely will um yeah i don't know the answer to that but i think it's about time i think it's about time for for that difference to be made and great, right. what what how amazing it would be sort of 27 to 30 years later suddenly coming full circle and maybe something a bit more traditional onto their roots and raw and then having them yeah. involved would be Yeah, definitely appreciated by the band, I'm sure. and Well,
0: appreciated by me as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much uh, for taking the time today um, and for agreeing to be on. It was lovely to hear the recollections of mixing such a a now iconic album. It's been great to chat and thank you very much.
0: All right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Great talking to you. Okay, take care. Thank you so much. You too.
1: A huge thanks again to Bob for his time, and especially his trust. After hearing about Coursecast, he decided to entrust the original DAT tapes for the mixes of the album into my hands. This in turn has allowed me to share with you all um, glimpses of clips here and there throughout the episodes, as well as, as you've heard, the elusive track, I Don't Know, which he obviously worked on years prior. The journey of being able to listen to the original DAT tapes is probably one I should tell. After realising that they were still in his possession uh, and that they may contain audio that was yet unheard, it was then the, the journey of being able to get DAT tapes, if they worked at all, converted to something that you could all listen to. DAT tapes are very much like mini cassette tapes. Um, for those of you that don't know with digital audio tape, um, the audio is written digitally with ones and zeros to the actual tape. So I could have found a uh, a machine that played that, plugged some a microphone near it, etc, um, and had some kind of at least a quality of of performance from the tape if it at all worked. Um, I wanted to go one step further because I felt that I was preserving music history and preserving something from the band that we simply hadn't heard before. So I decided to go to the most extreme level possible and find a way of extracting digitally the zeros and ones that made up the audio on the tape itself. Uh, After a lot of research, um, I ended up driving uh, around about three and a half hours to a gentleman in the middle of here in the UK, um, who had a backup drive facility um, that was specifically made for this type of work. Um, after a long conversation about actually what I had in my hands, uh, having you know original final mixing tapes from Bob Clearmountain himself that I wanted to archive, we set to work, and amazingly. Every tape worked 100% without any errors whatsoever. And we were able to archive a complete exact replica of each of the digital files into a more modern format. So what you've heard and what you will hear throughout the season and the series will be as good as it gets. It's really hard to convey how exciting and exhilarating it was to receive a parcel after a few weeks of waiting and watching the tracking, seemingly every hour being refreshed by myself and having to go and pick it up from the local depot to open this parcel and have it contain the original master dat tapes of an album we've now been discussing and celebrating for almost a year. Um, After listening and hearing from so many of its incredible contributors, Over this last year, it was surreal to finally have a part of that music history in my hands and to realise within these tapes were not only edicts and mixes that have never been heard, but an entire track that had never been heard by fans. All of these some 27 years later and to finally come home after having them converted after that long drive to um, an audio CD, pressing play, sitting back and hearing unheard content from the cause from that era was just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing and it is such a joy for me to be able to share some of this with you um, so you too can enjoy and um, love yet more of something we haven't yet heard. After multiple requests of several episodes, uh, I can now announce that Causecast is now available via YouTube. Uh, A few people didn't have particular podcasting platforms or software that they liked very much, but they were a big fan of YouTube. So I decided to take the plunge and upload the episodes to YouTube for your viewing and listening pleasure. Uh, Any feedback, Subscriptions, likes, comments, all of that good stuff would be obviously welcome over on YouTube. Links to each of the episodes as well as show notes for each episode can obviously be found on causecast.com. I'd like to also mention at this point um, how wonderful it is to see the community on Discord growing. It's lovely to have those of you that have joined there to discuss the content that we have in the episodes, the songs and the band in general. You'll find a link in the show notes if you also wish to connect with others on discord and discuss have discord and chat regarding the band again i'd like to express my thanks for those that have reviewed the podcast on apple music it really helps and it's lovely to see all those five star reviews and people's honest feedback and joy in being able to listen to the episode so far if you have time I would obviously again encourage you to leave a review and thank you so much to those who have already. Thank you for listening and until next time, you've been listening to CourseCast.